0: Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Beast, the new movie that if you've seen the trailers, you know, is about Idris Elba fighting a lion. And uh, I was really looking forward to this movie. I thought it looked great. And I kind of had low expectations, even though I thought it looked great, but I ended up loving it, and uh, we've got a great conversation coming up. Joining me is Dwight from the Broken Brain Podcast, and we get into a lot of good puzzle pieces here. Obviously, a lot of man versus nature, man versus beast stuff, but lots of other stuff too. So that is coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And if you like the show rate and review us five stars would be nice you can also find me on social media at piecingpod love to hear from you so get in touch and uh, we also have the popcorn and puzzle pieces facebook group where we do continue the conversation about all these movies and everything else going on in the world of movies so check it out it's popcorn and puzzle pieces on facebook so let's talk about beast All right, we are going to talk about Beast, and we've got Dwight Hurst from The Broken Brain joining us today. Dwight, how's it going?
1: Going well. And well, especially I got to be on a cool podcast today, or am getting to.
0: There we go. (laughs) It's like... uh... A safari into the worlds of podcasting. and <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Hopefully it goes better than it did for Idris Elba's family.
0: I have a feeling this will uh, be a little smoother sailing for sure. Although uh, maybe, maybe I could be your own personal Charlotte Copley here uh, and be a, a good weirdo to take you along. But uh, it is your first time on the show. Why don't you tell people a little about you and your podcast?
1: Certainly. Yeah. I am uh, a psychotherapist by training by job and all that. And Got into podcasting in about 2015-ish, I think. I I always forget. I have to go back and look when the show started. And other than a few months of hiatus somewhere in in the middle there, it's been going pretty strong. Um, What the show is, The Broken Brain, is all about taking an interest in life by looking at things through a psychological and cultural lens. So look at all kinds of things a lot. Obviously, with my background and interests, a lot of it is about mental health. Mental health treatment, uh, addiction, and trauma come up quite a bit. But then also uh, we talk about pop culture and utilize the, and look at the psychological aspects of, say, you know, sometimes a uh, you know a Marvel movie. We I've a mm-hmm. co-host, an occasional co-host who comes on. Who's she's actually a former health uh, minister from Canada, but she's just as big into Marvel nerdum as I am. So she comes on and talks about that. Mm-hmm. Then I have a lot of guests that are researchers and psychiatrists and psychologists that also. Uh, come on and talk about their projects as well so anything psychological pop culture or creative artists uh things like that uh, just kind of trying to trying to make the the world uh, emphasize that the world is is not boring basically
0: (laughs) yeah sure it it must be like extra ridiculous for you when you hear people like you know why do they have to have all these psychological issues in movies nowadays as if they weren't Always, this are uh, always right. baked into every story, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: no, it really is true. I think when it, it's like the myth, you know, there's mythology that well, what happened to the big action heroes and what happened? It goes right along with some mm. of the mythology we have about, let's say, like male emotionality. We tend to say, well, mm-hmm. women are emotional and men aren't, and it's like really. I mean, yeah. You ever talk to a guy <laughs> about the method that they have for how to load the dishwasher, or how to drive the? Lawnmower, or you know, how anything to do with money or anything that has to do with a system that dads tend to come up with, and they get very emotional, right? Um, you ever see a guy who is, uh, you know, addicted or alone, right? (laughs) They're very emotional, so and well, and you know, and we'll get into today's, but uh, one of the things that I thought is interesting that even in a movie, and we'll we'll talk about how much we want to say if this is like, um, you know where this movie rates or whatever but it is uh definitely the kind of movie that could just be very straightforward punch them up action and i thought that uh, one of the things that deepened it was the use of emotion and and trauma sure. and even the shedding of tears throughout the adventure which is a little more realistic than whatever i'm just stoic you know so i, I yeah exactly like you said you know
0: I could take on any lion that comes at me. <laughs> right, uh, I'm tough. Uh, yeah, well, you know, speaking of the movie, uh, this was your pick to uh, to join me on on the podcast for. Was this one you were like looking forward to? Is it was it something that interested you because of the uh, the man versus beast nature of it, or is it the Idris Elba nature of it? What was it about it that uh, appealed to you at first?
1: Well, I'll say complete disclosure is that of the list of movies you gave me that were coming up for the show, it was the one that was most interesting of that list uh sure so yeah. it's it's a weird couple of months i gotta say <laughs> yeah. like
0: august is a wasteland and uh september's a little better but uh yeah, yeah i,
1: I sure. will say though it reminded me uh, i'm i'm sure whoever gets to go first is gonna say a particular movie that i do really enjoy mm-hmm. uh we'll see if i'm right about that but um uh-huh. so it, it did remind me of that um the preview when i looked at it which i i hadn't really even heard of it till you listed it as one of the options okay uh, when I watched the preview, it looked like it had some jump-scare-worthy stuff, and I was like, you know, in the preview, they show that bit where the lion's rushing towards the car, and he closes the door just sure. in time, and and uh, even though much of it turned out to not be super realistic, uh, that, that part got me, because I was like, well, it looked like he was far enough away that he might have made it to the car before the lion hit him, so yeah, <laughs> that usually is this not the maybe. case, you know? So. yeah just maybe
0: well we might as well we might as well get into some of those pieces uh let's let's have you go first what do you have for your uh, first one
1: gosh do i get to go first so that means yes, i get to take the ghost in the darkness <laughs> there you go thank you uh, also on my list although i
0: haven't seen it since it first came out so it's been a long time so i'm glad you're bringing this one to the table
1: What right a f- I mean what a great adventure movie right you got val kilmer mm-hmm. you got michael douglas and anything with Tom Wilkinson is usually automatically wonderful. Yeah. But no, it's, uh, you know, for those, anybody who doesn't know, it, you know, it's a story of Val Kilmer plays an engineer who has been brought to Africa to uh, build a bridge over a big chasm kind of thing. And they start having these lion attacks. And one of the reasons that it ties directly into this one is it, uh, although based off of a true story, uh, there were these two lions, I guess, in the true story that were attacking and killing people in ways that lions generally do not. And the sure. Michael Douglas character, big game hunter guy, was like, this is weird. Lions don't bring trophies back to caves. And And apparently that part was true. Um, mm-hmm. And they have the, the, the lions stuffed in the Smithsonian, who were the, the real lions from this. They didn't get them to play themselves in the movie, however. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> didn't work out well for them in the end. There were, I thought one of the interesting things about it uh, from the re- last time I did watch it a few years ago is that it does have a little bit of commentary on colonialism um, where mm-hmm. it seems to be very aware of itself. Tom uh, Wilkinson's character uh, is like, well, we're here to save Africa from itself and we're here to, you know, civilize this place. And there was, a, I, I felt like in a way they used the lion attacks to kind of be like, that's not number one, you know, don't come in like that. and And maybe number sure. two, it's not like this is a broken place it you know
0: right so. right there's a lot of culture clash but there's a lot of like you know respect this place that you're 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 showing up to and, and like you don't know this place and you better show respect or else something like this could potentially happen and uh yeah i i need to revisit the ghost in the darkness cuz yeah i remember it being great and definitely it's it's one that i think uh is kind of the perfect one to uh start this conversation <laughs> off with um i'm going to go from one that's based on a true story and like a little bit more realistic even though uh, it's still insane that that is a true story like that's wild but um i'm gonna go to one that is completely made up but no less amazing it's uh jurassic park yeah um, okay yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like there's lots of jurassic park in here i mean from the entering a nature preserve where everything is just absolutely beautiful but also dangerous and scary and uh You better follow the rules or things are not going to go well, you know? Um, And then, of course, everything being centered around a jeep and then the animals attacking the jeep uh, and being stuck inside the jeep. Eventually, it falls off a cliff. That's what reminded me,
1: tipped me off to it, too, is like uh, the falling thing. Yeah,
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, I'll combine with Jurassic Park, rather than make it its own piece, uh, Jurassic World. Uh, the not-as-good uh, fourth entry, uh, the reboot-slash-sequel that uh, happened about, I don't know, six years ago. We just had the third of the Jurassic World series this year. But um, by the end of the movie, uh, really all there was that could be done is allow the other beasts, uh in that case the other Tyrannosaurus Rex from the first Jurassic Park to uh fight this new giant insane dinosaur that was coming after them. And so they kinda really had no options left other than let them fight and get the hell out of the way. And so <laughs> I, I thought that would be uh I, that kind of lines up with uh Idris elba's plan at the end of this
1: movie. Yeah, yeah. I um I like that. That was one bit that I even though I did feel like the end of the movie uh, we're, we're spoiler friendly here, right? Is that? Right? Yes, okay. absolutely. So at the end of the movie, there was, uh, a bit of punch him up with the, maybe that went on a bit too long. It lost a little credibility with the physical fighting with the lion. I did like, and it was fairly well broadcast that what his plan was once he got to the pride and I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. Right. Cause sure. they told him yeah. earlier in foreshadowing that, uh, that, that the, the lions would protect their own pride from this lion. So I thought that was actually a clever bit. And I wondered also if part of the reason they did that is, were they feeling guilty? Because one thing I couldn't help think was, is it a bit irresponsible to have another haunted lion story, especially one that's fictional? I mean, because you can go back to the Ghost in the Darkness being true, and being like, wow, mm. these two lions, crazy, right? Whereas this one's... So to have it, it's it's kind of like when you watch shark week and they're like oh sharks are really safe and they're beautiful creatures now let's have this yeah. special about how they're going to rip you to shreds you know and it's like sure. is that irresponsible yeah. and I, right, I, I, right. I wonder if that's why they had lions save him as well
0: and it's pretty clear that they're painting this lion even though it's like completely vicious and violent and murderous like they're they're showing that like it's responding to uh, the violence that's been inflicted upon its family yes. by the poachers, and so like to make it out to be a victim, and then like make it this villain creature as well at the same time wouldn't quite work. So it's like, yeah, like he he can't just straight up shoot and kill the, the lion. lion, right? Especially
1: as he's it, an American it, doctor it, visiting it, Africa, that probably wouldn't go over well. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know what also reminded me of Jurassic Park was how the velociraptors. Um, open the doors and they learn how to use stuff. Oh yeah. But, uh, when the lion used the walkie talkie, I thought that way. I mean, Mm. I know he stepped on it accidentally, but when all of a sudden over the walkie talkie, they heard, I was like, wait, did this lion just figure out how to use a walkie talkie? (laughs) See, it seems like that 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 make me really
0: like this movie a lot because I mean that's the kind of thing you're just like
1: hell yeah that's
0: great you know <laughs> what a great I idea expect him you know? to like start it's up, ridiculous
1: but... he like starts up the <laughs> poacher's car <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> then then this will be five to stars push start if it. That had it
1: happened <laughs> but uh, yeah well let's go on to some more pieces what do you got for your next one well uh, here's one uh, the predator the original predator sure. movie. And that popped in my head, of course, knowing that they're going to be hunted when they get there and they have the very manly handshake. All of a sudden, it took me back to uh, Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger doing their like bro half hug, you know, sure. uh, hand clasp before they go out to fight terrorists. And so here's a group of people who are like, we're highly trained. We know what we're doing. We're going to go out and, you know, kill these terrorists or whatever they did before, you know, they, some mission uh, a mcguffin mission where before the predator started picking them off and i so i i felt and also the predator being highly intelligent whereas this mm-hmm. lion also was like lying in wait it was using their their uh australian friend as bait sure and and so i you know i don't know so it reminded me of the dynamic in predator
0: yeah, no, that's great, and I mean, obviously, this past month, we also got Prey, this new Predator prequel, which was great, and uh, we talked about that here on the show. I haven't seen and it yet. When...
1: I need to oh, watch that
0: one. It's really good, really definitely recommended, Um, but when we got the trailers for that and Beast, and knowing they were coming the same month, I mean, they both looked like they... Both shared that predator kind of DNA to them of, you know, being out, lost, you know, completely outpowered by this creature that's out there. And then also a lot of CGI animals in both. So, like, you kind of have that and, like, kind of relying on the technology of making sure that looks good. Because if it doesn't, it's kind of going to fall apart a little bit. And I think it, I mean, they really did a great job in both of these movies with the animals. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely the predator I think is a great one. Uh, I'll go to one that I hadn't seen since I was a kid, and I just rewatched it this week and absolutely loved it. Uh, it's Cujo. Um, oh, I, there you go. <laughs> I think it's a perfect comparison to this movie. Really, I mean, again, we were just talking about how this uh, lion, you know, it's had all this wrong done to him, and he de- he doesn't want to necessarily be this killing machine, but uh, you know, he all this all this shit outside of his power happens, and so. Here he comes now. He's going to kill everything in his path. And then uh, our heroes have to hide in a car. And it just absolutely demolishes that car through the rest of the runtime, And uh, they are just totally, you know, stuck in there. And there's just no getting out. Because otherwise they're going to get totally ruined just like the car eventually does. Um, you also have a lot of, like human relationship drama that kind of pads out both of these stories, I would say. I mean, we've got all the dream sequences here in Beast about the uh the, the wife who has passed away, whereas in Cujo, we've got the infidelity in, in the the family. So there's different stories going on, but still uh, you know, like it's not just a straightforward shoot up action thing against a giant monster. It's, you know, something with uh, a lot of character work as well. Um, and then the last thing is then when our hero does get out of the car um, and has to fight Hand to hand against this thing <laughs> just gets messed up. Like you know, when uh, when when she is just getting mauled by Cujo, and uh, you know survives, but is getting just bitten to hell. And and uh, of course, Idris Elba. If he didn't fight that lion hand to hand, I mean, I would have had to have rioted. Like that's what I was being right. sold by the trailer. And so uh, <laughs> we finally get it at that point. And re- regardless of how ridiculous it is, it's it's everything we
1: wanted at uh, that point. And and you gotta love the very when he's walking with a cane like with a slight limp it's like wow you made out good that encounter dude yeah
0: yeah a couple of scratches and a cane that's all
1: yeah awesome
0: (laughs) that's great oh man well what do you got for your next one
1: well let's see I, i had a couple of them that that seemed a bit funny that popped in my head but one of them was uh real steel if you remember that movie with hugh jackman um, sure.
0: The, yeah, I don't think I ever actually saw it. I remember yeah, it though.
1: It's a boxing robot movie, so automatically mm-hmm. people know the tie-in here. No, not really. But the tie-in yeah, that no. <laughs> reminded me of was here's a guy with a very particular world that is part of his world, and uh, in in this movie you got Id- Idris Elba who has a history of coming to Africa. That's where he met his wife, and uh, you know we don't. I don't think we're ever revealed exactly all the stuff that he did there, but he seems to be. Mm-hmm while not super knowledgeable and comfortable with the with the landscape and things he does know some stuff and and is you know knows where his limitations are as well but anyway but the, the real part about real steel that reminded me was there's a guy he works in this like robot boxing which is a very particular world that his kid doesn't sure. understand but he is uh estranged certainly more estranged than Idris Elba is in this movie but it's a reunite with your kid when you were a lackadaisical or neglecting parent movie, mm, <laughs> really. Sure. Um, and so, uh, and, and, and we not necessarily automatically having the skills. That's even though it was another movie that was kind of silly. And that's maybe another thing it reminded me. Um, I sure. think it's a strength in movies when you're watching the movie and saying, dude, just say this, just don't just yeah. tell your friend go to your daughter mm-hmm. and tell her i'm really sorry and i yep. feel bad and everything and when you're in an unhealthy mode in your life you might even know that you should but you don't do that usually and right. so i i think it's a strength in movies when they don't say the right thing in the situation right away and he yeah never really does get better at talking to his kids that we see he just they just trauma bond and sure you know and and from the and they do care i think that's there too so anyway, that reminded me of it.
0: No, that that's that's an interesting one. Like it's like yeah, it's that that same kind of uh, needing to reconnect and doing it in a very specific and like not very unusual kind of situation for that that reconnection to happen. And uh, yeah, I like that. That's a good one. That's actually kind of goes along with my next piece, which is also maybe a little bit of an odd one. But uh, no escape from 2015 with Owen Wilson. Um, where he takes his family for a, a job. He has to travel to this uh, country. It's uh, somewhere in Asia. I forget exactly where. But um, as soon as they get there, they find out that the country's like under a, a terrorist attack and he has to keep his family oh, wow. safe and all this chaos just erupting around him. Mm. And... Um, you know, this isn't a terrorist attack. It's a crazy, over-the-top <laughs> lion attack. But um, still, he's, he's got to keep his family safe. Still terrorized. yeah. He's still getting terrorized, and then he's got to, uh, he's got to, you know, keep his family together and keep them safe, and you know, survive this insane, over-the-top situation they've gotten themselves into. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not not really the most memorable movie from what I remember. Like you know, <laughs> but like it, it's. Uh, I never saw it. Yeah. yeah I, 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 saw it opening weekend and like, you know, it's one of those where you saw it like the one time and that was it. But, uh, Owen Wilson's great though. So
1: yeah. 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 And that's an interesting role to see Owen Wilson in. I, yeah. One of the things I enjoyed about Loki, the, the TV series is that Owen sure. Wilson had a chance to show off some acting skills that weren't just comedic. Um, yeah. And so it's interesting to see him in a role that isn't, uh, you know, his traditional. So that's, that's pretty cool.
0: Oh. absolutely well, what do you got next
1: <laughs> got this one's real specific and it's uh die hard so oh nice and it's a very specific part of die hard the most annoying part of die hard is mm. the i don't know what i even remember his name hans or something he's the blonde mm. long-haired terrorist who gets like his death at first is he's fighting john mcclain and uh, mcclain kills his brother early on so they have this beef and he's going after him and you know he's fighting him and fighting him and he ends up hanging him with a chain after just beating him to hell, and so mm. that's how he dies. But then, mm. <laughs> but then there's this bit at the end where Reginald Val Johnson, of course, has to learn to have the courage to kill again. I guess you know because it's an <laughs> '80s action movie, um, sure. and he's a desk cop. So his opportunity to save people by shooting a guy is that terrorist, and this is after not only was he hanged by a chain but the roof blows up on the building. And at the end, for no reason, he emerges from the wreckage of the exploded building on the ground. If you remember anyone listening (laughs) to this jumps up with a machine gun and then bang, you know, Reginald Val Johnson takes him out. Um, sure. And so this is where, and, and at that point you're just kind of like, all right, whatever, you know, (laughs) what in the world, (laughs) how, why even have him? It could have been anyone. It could have just been some rando guy. Um, there's no way you could at all, not, not just, I mean, it goes beyond kind of action movie, uh, physics to say, okay, you could have had him die a little different to bring him back. And when the lion resurrects itself from being immolated, that was the Mm. part that, you know, it's got, (laughs) it's in the car that blows up in a fireball. And the next time you see it, it's just kind of like, whatever, get a little, little, (laughs) little, charcoal marks yeah. on its mane yeah just a little brushing the shoulder <laughs>
0: off and yeah and the long
1: flowing blonde hair i think also reminded me of the mane of the lion because
0: <laughs> yeah sure absolutely Anyway, yeah no that, that's great i you know i was going to bring up the rambo sequels but we already got Die Hard and we got uh predator in there so we'll, we'll leave that one alone um i i'll move on to something kind of reminiscent of what i was talking about with jurassic world but um you know, obviously we talked before we even got into this conversation about how we could talk about a lot of different man versus creature movies. There's tons of them over the years. Uh I thought I'd bring up Crawl, uh, from just a couple of years ago, um, where a woman has to uh survive against a bunch of gators during a hurricane. Oh, okay. And, and um it's a really fun movie produced by Sam Raimi and uh it uh very very exciting very tense you know action and in the end i mean basically the, yeah, there's no there's no fighting an alligator i mean she's got to basically get it out to <laughs> where it's you know it's n- it's not going to have any kind of upper hand advantage no. anymore because it's out kind of like stuck in the, uh, you know, like the current of the rapids from the hurricane and all that. But yeah, she's got to lure him out there and that way uh, that nobody will have an advantage anymore at that point. And so, you know, again, we talked about it, how that's kind of part of Idris's plan here at the end. And uh, it's a great plan because, I mean, really, there's no other way that he's going to be able to beat this thing. And so uh, it reminded me a little bit of that plan there, like to really kind of outthink your situation there rather than trying to straight up fight back in an action movie way.
1: It's, it's interesting when you say, now, do you think this is a double standard thing, guy and gal where you say <laughs> she's not going to fight a crocodile as a lady, but you know, I just right. might be, you know, like Sue flexing the, the,
0: well, he got a few good punches <laughs> in, but you know, overall, oh, no, he didn't have a chance.
1: I so, will say you know. it, it almost like if they really, and and I'm with you. I mean, I think that if they wanted, um, if they wanted realism, they already had lost that by that point with the fireball and everything. But um, the length, the the amount of time that the fight was going on with the lion and <laughs> the the lack of death that he experienced, uh, you know, they could have easily just had him run in across the pride and oh, here they come. But it's more yeah. like they're watching for like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well. Like.
0: We're waiting for that moment, you know. He it like I said, it, it had to happen. Yeah. So, regardless of how ridiculous or how unrealistic it is, it just kind of had to happen. Yeah. Um so yeah, uh, it, you know, it's it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh what do you got for your next one? Well,
1: and so this one, I think this kind of ties into two. I didn't want to make them separate. Um but I'm going to go with the the it's a certain ending trope but that is used in this movie that I think is exemplified in many, many movies, but Let's go with the movie Panic Room. If you remember the movie Panic Room in the very ending, it's Jodie Foster and I don't recall who plays her daughter in that movie, but they are uh, sitting on a park bench looking at one ads for a new apartment. And there's just this air of like calm, peaceful confidence. And -hmm. what I always took from it was well, we've been through hell. And if we can go through that, we're fine. We're not worried about anything anymore. And there's this kind of like settledness to it um, the, that is just a confidence. And I think that's a trope that's in movies to where it's like, Hey, let's go back out onto the planes and take a picture of this tree. When in real life, sure. at least one out of the three, I would think is like, hell no, I'm not going back. Are you kidding me? I'm not going back out on the planes the next day. <laughs> not even getting yeah. on an airplane anymore. Exactly. Like, you no. wanna, yeah. um, so, you know, that, that is something that is present in a lot of movies, but it, and it reminded me of this old movie from the 80s called Fortress. So I'm going to... Have I seen Fortress? I, I've heard of this movie.
0: I don't think I've ever seen it, though.
1: There's It's a creepy, weird movie where it takes place in Australia, and uh, there's these criminals who take a teacher and her class out into the outback. I don't remember why um, mm-hmm. they kidnap them for ransom, maybe? I don't know, but... The pretty soon the teacher and the kids kind of escape, and then there's this like hunt and chase where there's, and it's one of these old movies where the bad guys are wearing like goofy creepy masks. One of them has like a Santa mm. Claus mask. I remember it was just absolutely terrifying. Um But the reason that
0: Kurtwood Smith's in it, oh nice,
1: oh um, okay, yeah, he's great. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, uh, oh and Christopher Lambert, isn't it too?
1: So you know and and the the interesting thing and so this this takes that trope i just mentioned and amps it up a little bit speaking of the confidence um so one of there's two real strange things that they made choices about one is that the ending they keep setting up traps for these bad guys and if i remember right they kill a few of them with traps but mm-hmm. the end movie is like the the kids like kill the remaining bad guys. <laughs> like, they yeah, beat them to right. death, if I remember, or just advance on them. And, um, and then there's, so the actual ending of the movie though, is some guy comes into the school. And as far as I remember, he was like some government official who's like, oh, we got it. We might have to close the school. Or he's like vaguely threatening the school. And there's this weird moment where the teacher and the kids all kind of watch him like, mm. and there's mm. some kind of like, jars on the wall that look like they might have organs in them. And there's like, there's this, just this weird vibe of like, he leaves very, very scared. And you're just kind of like, Oh, he's not coming back. Cause he'll get killed by this class. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So so that to me is the, the maybe upping the ante a bit of this ending, which is like, we're fine now. We've been through the worst that can happen. And we're just not scared anymore, which is interestingly, mm. not always how trauma works. <laughs> sure. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't
0: think so. Yeah. Like you said, I can't even imagine like, like flying again after like being in that kind of a situation. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a movie thing. Uh, But, but at the same time, and this actually kind of like adds into my final puzzle piece here um, because it is very much a movie movie, you know, and that's one of the things I like about it. We, we don't get enough of these nowadays. And like earlier this year, we got like uh, the lost city, which is, it's fine like it was fun um you know the main thing about it that i liked though is that it's a movie movie you know it feels like that kind of throwback to when movies were just straight up movies and that's what this feels like too and that's why i like this and my last puzzle piece is actually not a movie but something that celebrates movies and that's the universal studios tour Uh at at universal studios there are moments in this movie because first of all um You know, shout out to uh, the cinematographer because uh, some of the cinematography in this is just so damn good. And not just like wide shots or anything like that, but some of these like really tense, exciting shots within the car as the lion is attacking, also combined with the sound design and all the just crunching, you know, glass inside of the car and all that stuff and the lion roar. There's moments where like, the camera is disorientingly like shifting all across, and you you hear the lion roaring over on the right, and then you hear Edges Elba yelling, kids, hang on, on the left, and then you hear the girls screaming, ah, dad, you know, and then the lion smashes against the car, and like you don't know what's happening. Totally reminds me of like the King Kong part of of the Universal Studios ride or the Fast and Furious part of the Universal Studios ride or the part where they flood the uh, underground um, where you're on a train and uh, all the water comes in. Like it's just that theme park kind of experience Mm -hmm. that like really made this just a really fun movie to me. And
1: uh, it's kind of my favorite thing about it. That's a good point. I was watching something the other day, just something from the 90s and you know rewatching a couple things and thinking about that fact where it's like if you want a movie that is a self-contained somebody had an idea for a story and wrote it or whatever yeah. and then made a movie out of it and it's not based off of a million other things and it's not going to be part of a extended universe yeah. and things and and don't get me wrong, I'm a I'm a stand for a lot of those. I love Marvel, and I love those kinds of I things. I see them all, but you know, <laughs> but it is interesting because I I thought to myself like, oh, here's a charming little. I think I was watching The Freshman, that old yeah, that old Matthew Broderick movie. If anybody remembers oh, yeah. that, Marlon Brando. It's a sort of parody off of like Godfather crimes and things, but at the same time, kind of a fun, charming comedy. And yeah, I
0: should rewatch that. I haven't seen that in a million. Yeah, years. yeah,
1: it's the one where they have to transport a komodo dragon supposedly from in a car and it's, just, it's got some fun little bits in it and it's very young Matthew Roderick. Um, yeah. and then Bruno Kirby plays a, just a wonderful kind of scumbag character, uh, for comedy, which, you know, is kind of his, his sweet spot. But hmm. a, anyway, I, it occurred to me, it's like if, if I was going to see this movie made nowadays, it would have to be at like Sundance or, you right. know, it would have to be like an indie film that was just completely uh, aside from some of those things. You probably get, so if someone famous is in it, they're probably doing it for scale because they love the script. or sure. some, It's just a different dynamic. Um, and I'm not one of those big blockbuster haters necessarily mm-hmm. um, because I do think there's strengths. You see some directors and people get work with bigger movies sooner because of some of these franchises. So there's these pros and cons, though, to where you're absolutely right. Just the going to the movies getting the popcorn, watching this one-shot story of like, ah, oh, that was, was kind of fun, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not, uh, you don't see it as much anymore. It's true.
0: Right. So, Absolutely. And uh, and I, I think we need to uh, celebrate these ones because, uh, you know, Marvel movies are great. Superhero movies are great. But we need this other stuff, too, in our, in our movie-watching diet. Yes, you know? yes. <laughs> so uh, do you have any more pieces you wanted to bring up?
1: Uh, uh yeah like you said there's a there's a bunch that occurred to me like the edge is one that occurred but it's just kind sure. of a more straightforward man versus there's a funny old uh it's, it's an old cheesy Disney movie called Cheetah for anyone who saw it would be like the wonderful world of Disney but okay it stood out to me it's not it's not man versus nature what it is is that it's actually the opposite which is a bond with a wildcat. but mm. uh it's but it is kids who are brought to Africa by family um they really fall in love with it and they they sort of domesticate accidentally raise this cheetah who's who was left alive when all the others were killed by poachers and so yeah. there's a heavy poacher you know anti-poacher oh, yeah. message well i mean most movies oh, that, with poachers good. have an anti they're not usually the heroes yeah <laughs> but <laughs>
0: yeah that's that's good though that you brought that up because i yeah i couldn't really think of any poacher related movies so yeah that that's a good one there yeah, yeah.
1: What was that other one with john lithgow i should have said that instead of cheetah the elephant <laughs> preservation movie good grief oh i can't believe i uh, said cheetah i don't I don't, even, I don't even know if i remember it there's one where it's about ivory smuggling and uh it's very unsatisfying for me to not have the name of that for people but... let's see it's called ivory hunters oh well there you go yeah yeah well, i just remembered that it just popped in my head but i remember seeing that on like a Saturday afternoon. On TV when I was a teenager, and it it was one of the first things that made me think like like there's a part in it where uh, the guy's talking to John Lithgow, one of the guys who's an advocate, and John Lithgow is just some guy who starts getting involved in this elephant preservation stuff, and and the guy says to him like it's not the poachers shooting the elephants that I blame, it's the guy who says I won't the concert pianist who won't play the piano unless it has ivory keys. Um, mm, he's, good line. Yeah, yeah, and so that that really got me thinking about social advocacy at a young age that I'd never thought of before. So there you go. Yeah, no. that's better than Cheetah. Gosh, we'll add it yeah. up. Cheetah. We'll, no, I'm just kidding.
0: We'll keep them both on the <laughs> list. Why not? Yeah, uh, right on. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read down the list of everything we just talked about, and we'll get into some closing thoughts. <laughs> nice. But uh, we talked about the Ghost in the Darkness, Jurassic Park, and Jurassic World, The Predator, Cujo, Real Steel, No Escape, Die Hard. Crawl, Panic Room, Fortress, The Universal Studios Tour, The Edge, Cheetah, and Ivory Hunters, which by the way was also known as The Last Elephant. So
1: that's a hell of a film festival we put together.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, you know, you could like I said, you could go into so many you could bring up Jaws, you could bring up like any man versed a big version of an animal kind of a movie, like really will fit this. I mean, that's what you go to a movie like this for is to see that kind of thing. Uh, you you mentioned The Edge in there, another one that I haven't seen in a million years, but uh, I remember loving when it came out in the 90s. Um, yeah, I, do you have any other uh, like thoughts on the movie that you wanted to get out there before we uh, wrap it up?
1: Well, and, you know, and I think it is important to point out that that unrealism is a part of any action movie, um, whether you notice it or not. And especially mm-hmm. these man versus nature things, there's always some silliness that's wrapped up in there, if in the terms of it being unrealistic. So I guess I just want to throw that out there because I feel like although Idris Elbe is beloved by most you know good movie fans, a lot of people like him, obviously, but he's been, you know he gets he gets under fire now and again when people bring up things like, oh, he should be. Or should have been James Bond by now, at least for mm-hmm. a few movies, and all those things, which I'm actually on board with uh that would have been yeah. pretty fantastic, but whenever you know that's brought up he uh some of the more toxic movie fandom wants to pick at him and pick it just like they do any performer of color. I don't mean to yeah- you know i I won't say that I've heard any specific criticism of this movie because of that, but I would just say that in our world where at the very least people pick apart movies quite a lot. You know, I hope people will, you know, you watch this and just say, yeah, you know what? Nobody can do what they do in action movies. So let him wrestle with a (laughs) lion for a while and come out of it okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how to make those people happy, really. Like, I mean, what more could you possibly want than Idris Elba against a lion? Like, seriously. like, I think being
1: unhappy is like their hobby.
0: It really is. It really does seem that way. Uh, only other thing I wanted to shout out is the Stephen Price score, which uh, I loved the music in this movie. Um, he doesn't score a lot of movies. I, I don't know what it is. He's like maybe like one every four or five years or something like that. Um, he did Gravity a few years ago. It was another fantastic score. But, no, that's uh, true. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love the music in this movie. So The production uh, that, value
1: and the acting really was, I mean, that's what makes it even more enjoyable than just, yeah. it's not just purely a silly movie. It's it's fun to watch the people because they they're good performers and it's well put together. Yeah. It sounds nice and looks nice.
0: Yeah. Speaking of people who don't do things very often, Charlotte Copley has carved up a really weird career post District Nine, where everybody uh, thought he was going to uh, like. Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly what they thought he was going to do, but I don't think it's what he's oh, doing. He's like he's just district. randomly popping up. And he's things. the District
1: Nine guy. I, I couldn't. I and was like, right. where have I seen him recently or before? Yeah
0: it wasn't recently probably because <laughs> he just pops up here he pops up there like he, he's a very weird uh guy but um very interesting and always always uh, a fun uh, presence in movies so yeah a lot of great performances here and uh, uh a lot of good stuff all around but i think that does uh that does it for beast um is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners
1: yeah i just think recently um well yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and uh put in a plug for a couple of uh, animated movies this year that have come out recently. I think that Lightyear got a lot of mm-hmm. flack and people didn't really care for it too much, but I will say um as a as an adventure movie, an adventure sci-fi movie and even one that got a little uh, it, people were saying that it wasn't as emotionally tugging on their heart like a lot of the Pixar. And you know, I get it. I mean, I can't even, I can't even, you know, talk about the Toy Story movies or the, you know, onward. Some of those ones that are really emotional, but I, I thought yeah. it, it had a lot of heart to it, and I thought they did a, a good job. And then, you know, I'll come in with uh, Turning Red, also, mm-hmm. and so that's another one that uh, I think the the best animated is going to be a tough one this year, just like it was the year before. Uh, yeah, uh, whether it's for the awards or just people's opinions and you know, Letterbox or whatever, yeah. but. Uh, Turning Red is one that I really liked for anyone who watches it, but especially like my seven-year-old was watching it and cluing into, oh, there's some issues of maturation and menstruation that are discussed just, you know, normally. And it wasn't anything to be ashamed of. Uh, And then also just a great story that uh, unfortunately a lot of people are like, well, I can't, uh, you know, uh, I can't relate to these, these uh, girls or whatever. When in fact, there's a whole community that you're introduced to through it and and just, yeah, really enjoyed those.
0: Yeah. G- great, great picks. And uh, yeah, I love turning red. Um, I wish that was the one that got the theatrical release, honestly, uh, of those two Pixar mm-hmm. films, but, um, but yeah, no, but both worth watching and uh, yeah, great picks there. So uh, awesome. This was a fun conversation. Why don't you tell people again where they could find you and your podcast?
1: Yeah, you can go on to, um, you know, anywhere where you get podcasts, it's the broken brain. And uh, you know, subscribe there on on uh, you know Apple or Spotify or where whatever you use to to get podcasts. It'll it'll be on there. As far as social media goes, I am at Break a Brain on Twitter and uh, Facebook dot slash Break is the Facebook page. Uh, and then I just recently started an Instagram, which is actually Break a Brain was taken on Instagram. So mm. I went at uh, Brainiacs Ahoy, which. I just call the listeners Brainiacs, and those are also the tiers on our uh, Patreon. For those who want to get involved, you can become a different level of Brainiac with different rewards. Nice. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just doing some interesting things. We just did a uh, book club recently, and we're going to try to make that every month or every other month. We're going to review a different book, and we were able to have the author of A Stream to Follow, which is a, a historical fiction about World War II and PTSD recovery written actually by a psychiatrist uh, and novelist. So, uh, just oh, great. we've been doing some some exciting things like that. Awesome.
0: Well, uh hey, I am really happy to have you on the show, Dwight, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get you back again sometime.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I'm yeah, hoping to get you uh, over on mine as well. We'll we'll do that. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll we'll make that happen. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever
0: you listen to podcasts. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Beast. Thanks to Dwight for joining me on that one. Check out the Broken Brain podcast. And thank you to you for listening. If you're enjoying piecing it together, of course, make sure you're subscribed. We'd also really appreciate that five-star rating and review. And, uh, you know, share the show. We, we really love it when you do that. Get in touch. Let us know about any puzzle pieces you think we might have missed uh, there's obviously tons and tons of other things that we could have brought up so uh, shoot me a message either by email the emails in the show notes or on Twitter at PiecingPod, or over in our Facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces or now you could actually comment on good pods right there on the episode there's a uh, little message thing where you can comment uh, let me know puzzle pieces you think of for the movies we're talking about. And uh, I will read them on the next trailer episode, so definitely get in touch. And uh, also wanted to let you know, we do have a Patreon, the produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I combine bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as stuff from Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. And speaking of my music career, I'm going to play a song to finish up the episode like I always do. And... I was going to play Devil. I've played it on the show before. Um, it would have been a good fit. But, uh, you know, we're talking about Beast. We're talking about this this big lion, a giant cuddly cat. Um, I'm going to play something from my Pup Pups album, which uh, needs to get released one of these days. Um, it's just been sitting there like 80% done. I just need to finish it. It's just on the back burner. It's this kind of novelty album of songs uh, some by my pets and some uh, just by me about my pets, and uh, I'm gonna play one of the ones that's by me and it's about my cat Lily Bear who passed away. Um, it's uh, it's called Muffin Maker, and uh, this is a, this is like a kind of a bluesy rocker kind of, I guess, and it's about it's about Lily, and uh, it's absolutely ridiculous, and I hope you enjoy it. And this album. The Pup Pups, Who Wants Din Din will be out one day, I don't know when maybe this year, maybe next year hopefully before they're all gone but uh, yeah, it's coming one of these days so hope you enjoy it we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon Hey there little kitty Why don't you make me something Come on over here Make some muffins. Hey there, little kitty. Why don't you make me something? Climb up upon my belly. Hey there, little kitty. Why don't you make me something? Come on over here and just make some.